you become a millionaire by 30. Is that correct? I, I did. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. So let's go back a little bit. Why did you actually start this journey of success or making money? Like what, when was that time where you, you felt, Hey, I, I want to make money. I believe I've always had drive. I've always been competitive. Um, sports was kind of my lifeblood growing up. I played college baseball and I could not thank you enough for tuning in every week with me on The Dwelling Show. We've been doing this for more than two years now, actually. Um, this is um, when the 200s now about the episode of the show. I just want to take this time out to really thank you so much, but also to remind you that if you're not on the Dwelling Deal list, make sure you sign up so you don't miss out on deals, actually. We, we have a deal on the contract right now. So for these kinds of deals, to learn more about what, what we're doing, to learn about how we structure deals, feel free to go on the website, dwelling.com, or investwithola.com, and you would see um, a pop-up box or just drop um, your email in the contact us um, form, and we'll reach out to you so you'll get plugged in with what we're doing. Again, I really appreciate you for tuning in every week sometimes i feel like nobody is listening on the other side until i get emails or dms from you on instagram or facebook and saying thank you for you know spitting out content every week um, it's a ton of work but i'm so glad to do it and it's my honor to deliver value every week um to you um, our listeners thank you so much thank you so much for joining us on the dwelling show i'm your host all dantes i've got an incredible guest with us today JD, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? I am good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Let's jump right into it. Um, Finance Cowboy, for anybody watching this on YouTube, you can see JD's act on. Tell us where you are, what you do, and what you've been up to lately. So I am uh, an investor. Uh, I'm in sales. i someone who buy, buys businesses. I try to keep myself busy uh, in all aspects of life. I am... Um, you know, I was raised a pastor's son in South Carolina. Didn't really come from money uh, at all, but, you know, took the initiative to learn about money. Um, got into, uh, you know, the service slash sales career out of college and learned that, wow, you can really scale your income with sales. And so I really dove in, learned everything I could about sales, increased my income, got my finances in check and realized, okay, I need a place to park this money. And uh, I, everything I looked at pointed me back to real estate and said, that's the best asset. It's, it's the most proven one over time. And so I have invested heavily into real estate over the last four years. Um, lately, uh, my most recent purchase would be an Airbnb in Charleston, South Carolina. And like I mentioned, I am also in the process of buying an insurance business. So dabbling in a new, in a new realm for me. So I got a lot going on. You become a millionaire by 30. Is that correct? I, I did. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. So let's go back a little bit. Why did you actually start this journey of success or making money? Like what, when was that time when you, you felt, Hey, I, I want to make money. I believe I've always had drive. I've always been competitive. Um, sports was kind of my lifeblood growing up. I played college baseball and um, you know, that kind of taught me, you know, what it takes to achieve a goal that you want to set and I believe the, the desire to really push in the financial world, really push in the career, career world is when I had that first job out of college. And I quickly realized I started having success within my first six months. And I realized 
most people in the working world aren't working that hard. They're not going the extra mile. They're not doing what needs to be done to be successful. And I was like, if I just put the same effort into business as I've been doing a sports all these, you know, all these years, I can dominate this. And the beautiful thing is I wasn't getting paid to play sports. Now I'm starting to make money. And so you like start getting those income, you know, those checks coming in and you realize all it takes is the work that I was, I was already used to doing. And I think it clicked that, um, you know, there's a bright future here if I play my cards right. What was the first business venture? Like, what was the first thing you did that you made money? And I want to hear the story. How did you get into that? Did you have money to invest in that venture? Just give us the whole spiel. I'm curious. Yeah, so I started in the corporate world. So I can't I can't take credit for me, you know, coming up with that. I have always had a side hustle though. Ever since the first day I worked, the first job I worked, it was a route job. And so it was a four-day work week. And so I I would spend my off day delivering and selling these fruit baskets all across Charleston. Now, again, I was working under somebody in that too. So that doesn't count as my first venture, but just kind of laying a foundation. I've always had a side hustle no matter what I've done. But my first big, I say big, my first venture into, you know, starting and running my own business was I took a shot at starting a pressure washing business in Jacksonville, Florida, when I was 24 years old. And um, I spent a lot of money to buy equipment. I had no idea what I was doing as far as pressure washing. I had no idea what I was doing as far as marketing. I did not know how to manage people. I had a guy working under me. Um, so when you look back, you know, if somebody were to grade it, it was terrible. I ended up losing money, not a ton when it was all said and done. But I will say that short period of owning that pressure washing company really taught me a lot of valuable lessons and showed me where a lot of my weaknesses were, that if I was going to put systems and processes in place and grow businesses in the future, I need to work on them. And so it was a very good learning experience. Give us one thing that you learned from that experience. And also one thing that if you were to do it again for that same business, what would you do differently? I think one thing that I learned um, going into that is really understanding what you're getting into before you do it. So I didn't really do my research on the pressure washing market and, you know, what things were going for, what I could charge folks, you know, how, what's the best way to bring customers. I kind of just jumped in and started going. And so if I could do it over again, and, you know, it's what I'm doing with my insurance business that I buy, I'm buying now is really digging into that industry and trying to learn everything I can about an industry before, you know, I hop in and, um, you know, just give it my all. I like that. So um, now I want to make the connection to real estate. So you, 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 you know, start a business, work some side also has some corporate, um, you know, world experience, which, which helps. Um, when did you make that decision that, you know, real estate is now the next thing in your journey? And when you made that decision, you know, why real estate and why was it short term rentals that was your first um, foray? So it was long term rentals were my first jump in. And I think it's great to build a foundation in long term rentals. But the, the urge for real estate came, you know, when I started, um, you know, I got serious about my finances. So I was making decent money but I still had some consumer debt. I didn't have my spending under control. And I realized, okay, if I, I knew the goals I wanted to achieve in life, well, now it was time to, to implement the discipline and make it happen. So I got rid of the consumer debt. I got my three months of emergency fund saved. And now it was time to take all this extra income that I had scaled and grown 
and put it somewhere. Because if not, we're going to waste it. And we know that we're not going to be able to grow wealth by just saving it. And if it's just sitting there, we got a better chance of spending it. So I said, where can I park my money so that my future self is going to look back and be thankful? And I looked at stocks. I looked at index funds. You know, you obviously hear about crypto, you know, all sorts of things. But I, I looked at people closest to me in my network, such as my best friend and my father-in-law, and then just studying history over time. And the majority of people who build a lot of wealth, when it comes to investing, they've done so in investing in real estate. And so for me, for me it was a no-brainer. It was like, this is the best avenue to take to grow long-term wealth. Now I got to figure out how do I do it? And, you know, there's a couple of ways I did that. Luckily, my best friend, he was in it right out of college and he had got in with a guy who was an investor and he had been investing. So I was learning a lot from him, listening to the Bigger Pockets podcast, reading books, and, you know, I took the plunge in 2018 with my first property, a long-term rental in Greenville, South Carolina. And, you know, as soon as I bought that first one, it was off to the races. You know, we would literally, like I said, we had eliminated debt. We had a small house payment and we lived frugal. And me and my wife, every time we saved up enough money to go buy another house, we'd go buy one. And so to this day, we're always pretty much cash poor because anytime we have money, we go buy another asset. Um, but it has built a lot of wealth over time. And we're in a good position now at 30 years old um, compared to a lot of people. Yeah, that is superb. I love it. I love it. So you you own quite a bit of long-term rentals. I'm sure you were doing pretty well. Tenants were you know, paying uh, their rent. Things were going well. Why did you pivot or why did you shift um, or look at short-term rentals? I believe when you're building a portfolio, there's a lot of ways you can go and there's no right or wrong way. But when I teach folks, hey, you know, what do you think the best way to go? I really love building that solid foundation of a long term rental. Right. It's easy to get, so to speak, compared to other types of real estate, because banks like to loan to long term single family homes. Right. Most of the time when you're buying those single family home long term renters, or long-term homes, you're going to get good renters. A lot of tenants, a lot of good tenants want to live in a home compared to an apartment. And then when you need to exit that property, when you own a short, uh, when you own a single family home, long-term rental, you open yourself up to the entire market. So not only could I sell that property to an investor, but I can also sell it to the entire retail population who may be looking for a home. And so I knew I really wanted to build a strong foundation with those single family long-term rentals. And once I got that and my, you know, I'd had my feet wet for a year or two, I had an opportunity to get into the short-term game on a private island called Seabrook Island in Charleston County, South Carolina. And the biggest difference between short-term rental and long-term rental, uh, there's a lot of differences, but on the positive, the returns are going to be better on a short-term rental. And so I felt confident that I had this stable base of long-term rentals that was easy. I had a property manager, ha managing, manager handling everything. They were stable. And so now I was okay to go and test out the waters in a little more volatile asset class, such as Airbnb and take the higher returns. And so I took the plunge and it was a huge learning curve. We can talk about it. Uh, there's a lot more that goes into the Airbnbs. It's a lot more volatile, but if you do it right, uh, the returns are gonna be a lot better. And so I wanted to mix that into my portfolio. You also been talking about kind of short-term gains, right? Um, so, I mean, of course, if you're making a lot of money um, as well, and especially with you know Airbnbs, like how do you avoid sort of those short-term capital gains. Um, a lot of people don't 
understand this um, when they're not in real estate until they get into real estate and they make so much money and they get their tax bill the next year or the year after they're like oh my goodness i didn't know i made this much money so how how do you avoid that capital gains so you're really only going to get hit with those capital gains if you sell the property and so as long as you are holding the property long term, those short term capital gains, you know, you're not really going to be affected because you're going to be able to write off a lot of the rental income, uh, cost segregation. There's a lot of tax benefits when it comes to hiding the rental income, so to speak. But if you go and you sell a property, let's say we're flipping properties, um, you buy and sell within under a year, you're going to pay short term capital gains, which is going to be set at your income rate. Now, a way to escape this is if the because the tax code loves real estate investors and so if you buy a property hold it for one year now you have escaped short-term capital gains and as long as you've held an investment property for at least one year now you fall into long-term capital gains and so depending on your income the highest tax bracket you're going to pay is 20 percent now there's ways to get around this to pay no income tax you can do what's called a 1031 exchange and you can take the profits from those sales and put them into another property you can defer those taxes or what a lot of savvy investors do is they don't sell properties once they build up equity they go and refinance that property and take out cash well that's not taxed so then they take out the equity in that home and then they'll go buy another home and so real estate gives you a lot of options to avoid those you know those big capital gains that can hammer you so somebody might be going, oh my God, like JD, you, like you, you know, you became a millionaire at 30. I'm, I'm 22 years old right now. I, I don't have any money. I, I don't know where to find these deals. I don't know how to fund these deals, even if I find them. Like, what do you say to that person? I think you need to start with education at that age. Um, and if you don't have any income, then you, you want to learn everything you possibly can about real estate. If it's something you want to pursue in the future. And you're going to do that through podcasts, uh, you know, Bigger Pockets has a good podcast, obviously podcasts like yourself. You're going to have books like Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, any books, books written by Brandon Turner, where you're just learning everything you possibly can at that age. That, that is key. And start networking. Start going to those guys in your network who you know invest in real estate and tell them you want to learn. If you don't have anybody in your network, hop on Facebook forums, look on social media, join communities and try to take in as much knowledge as you can so that when the time comes that you're ready to invest, you know, like you have the knowledge there. Now it's just taking action. I love it. I love it. Um, we're, I mean, I can keep talking to you, but we're definitely, definitely dwelling into the quick rounds. These are going to be quick questions, quick answers. You ready, sir? Let's do it. Awesome. Before we start the quick round, just going to mention our sponsor, Cashflow Portal, um, helps with investors and syndicators um, to connect. So check it, check them out, cashflowportal.com. So first question, JD, wh what makes you unique? What is that differentiating factor that separates you from the next guy or the next girl? I believe that I have a unique opportunity or a unique ability to build relationships quick with people, which allow me to build trust. And then I am totally who I am at all times. I don't put on a front. So what you see is what you get. I can tell. Next question. What was the last book that you read? And what was the one thing you picked up from that book? Uh, who Not How is the last book that I have completed. And it is a game changer for me. It, it teaches you instead of thinking, how can I fix this problem? Think who can fix this problem for me? And if you can do that, then you're gonna expand your ceiling so you can focus on things that you're good at and your businesses are gonna grow. Awesome, final question. What do you do for fun? 
I hunt a lot. I like to go to the beach a lot and I exercise and play basketball. So those are like my things when it's time for me to get away. Um, that's what I do. Fantastic. JD, really appreciate you. If there's somebody listening to this podcast, I'm going, I like this guy. I want to get connected with him. Where can folks reach out and get connected with you? On any social media websites, I'm, I'm largest on Instagram. We're, you know, chasing 40,000 followers at Finance Cowboy, um, YouTube at Finance Cowboy, TikTok at The Finance Cowboy, financecowboy.com. I just released a free guide. Um, I had 500 downloads in the first day. It is so helpful. It's a 19 point checklist on how to analyze rental properties. So if you go to any of my uh, social media websites, click on the link in my bio, you can snag that for free and it'll help you feel confident. Anytime you're going to look at a property, you'll know exactly what you need to look for. Perfect. JD, really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me.